Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe MySight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. Exactly. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. Good morning, I'm Dr. Kerry Gelb, and welcome to Open Your Eyes Radio. Please listen as we discuss the newest information in the world of health, nutrition, and sports every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Central Time on AM 1280, The Patriot. Also, please share your thoughts by emailing me at drkerrygelb at gmail.com and visit my website at drkerrygelb.com. That's D-R-K-E-R-R-Y-G-E-L-B. And we talked in the in the first episode how we all were told to stay out of the sun at all costs. Today, I'm speaking with Matt Maruka. You can consider him a citizen journalist. He's not a physician, but he knows a lot about the sun. He spent thousands of hours studying the pros and cons of the sun. He said 100 hours in the first, but it's really thousands of hours. He knows more about the benefits of the sun and the negatives of the sun, safe sun, than most people. And I'm really honored to have him back to talk to us more about how that we could benefit from the sun, not got, get hurt from the sun, but benefit. Matt's company is RA Optics, RA as in the son of God. He creates fashionable glasses to filter blue light from digital devices. In the first episode, we talked about the dangers of the blue light coming off digital devices. So if you're interested in that, go back to that episode and learn about why the, the blue light coming off the, the computers, the digital devices may cause some harm and have to filter it. So Matt, welcome back. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Kerry. I really appreciate it. Um, just uh, one, one or two things I'd mention. Uh, from the intro, uh, when I said a couple hundred hours, I think that was that was actually referring to when I was 16 or 17. So at that point, I, it had been maybe hundreds. At this point, definitely thousands. And I appreciate you uh, clarifying that. And uh, yeah, the company RA or Raw Optics is uh, for the sun god of Egypt, just so in case there's any, um, you know, just so that that's clear for people. It's like a, for us, like a mythological figure, not so much a religious thing, but just uh, sort of a mythological figure from Egypt that represented health and wellness and uh and uh, vitality for for those people who were very advanced as we know well you're doing great work you're helping people you're coming out with new products all the time and uh, we certainly appreciate a young guy like you to be such a entrepreneur congratulations thank you thank you for helping I appreciate it people as you are thank so you so much dr curry we were talking about the benefits of the sun and we talked about uh the skin how it could benefit the skin 
And we talked about, you know, a little bit about cancer. We're not cancer experts, but as from a journalist's point of view. And now we're going to talk about increase. The sun could increase wakefulness and improve sleep. How can it do that? People think, well, they go in the sun, maybe they're going to get too tired. They sit in the sun all day. They come home, they're tired. But it actually helps them sleep better toward the end of the day. And if you're in the sun a lot, you do get more energy. How does that work? Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, so everything you shared is is true in, in one context or another. So, for example, sunlight in the morning at the right hours actually stimulates our body to stop making melatonin and make more cortisol, stress hormone, and serotonin, these uh, neurotransmitters and hormones that actually wake us up and power up our body for uh, the day, for our function, right? So one of these uh, components of sunlight, red and near-infrared wavelengths of light, actually charge our mitochondria, the engines in our cells that make energy, help us to make energy from food, but also have been proven, interestingly enough, to be able to produce ATP, which is our cellular energy currency, uh, without even needing to consume food. So it's actually been proven that we can actually generate energy from the sun without even needing to consume food, which makes perfect sense. How, you know, for 4 billion years of evolution, plants can take, uh, they can take sunlight and turn it directly into sugar. Well, why wouldn't we have some sort of capability like that as well? We come from common ancestors. You'd think we'd have at least something like that. And sure enough, we actually do. Uh, it's just slightly different. Anyway, so sunlight allows us to have more energy. Now, if you're out in the sun all day long, especially if you're not a person who spends a ton of time in the sun, it may make you more tired. And there's evidence to suggest that sunlight increases the body's natural production of melatonin, both in our mitochondria and in our pineal gland, melatonin being the key sleep hormone, which is also critical for sleep and repair. So if somebody's out in the sun and they get tired, it's probably a good thing. They've, they've built up a lot of melatonin. Their cells need this time to repair, and then they want to take a nap and go to sleep. And that's a phenomenal That's a phenomenal effect. Uh, I remember days when I was a kid down at the beach, and I'd go out with my family, and we'd play on the beach all day. You know, I grew up in Philadelphia, so we'd go down to the Jersey Shore, and uh, it was amazing. And then I'd go to sleep those nights, and I'd sleep like a baby. Like, I felt so warm and cozy in my bed because I had all that sunlight literally in my blood um, kind of warming me up. And so there's something really powerful about, about that. And people will often notice when they go on their tropical vacation, they sleep really well. And a lot of the time, people think it's just because they're away from the stress of life and work. But a lot of the time, it's actually a physiological, environmental effect from the, the light of the sun that they've been exposed to. So sunlight can both make us tired, but also give us a lot of energy. And if it makes you tired, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It probably just means that your body needs some repair and you should just either go take a nap if you're tired in the middle of the day or just get to sleep early that night, wake up super fresh and early the next day, feeling all rested and rejuvenated. You know, there's been some research to show that the sun helps with weight loss. Can you comment on that? Yeah, that's a phenomenal. I'm so glad you brought that up. So one of the main mechanisms where I can see that working is that there are a couple, but Sunlight helps improve through our circadian rhythm, improves the function of our hormonal system, primarily hormones like leptin, which are responsible for basically energy management in the body. And if our leptin is out of balance or if our if our cells are leptin resistant, there's a term that was uh, coined in the medical literature and particularly brought to light, no pun intended, by Dr. Jack Cruz um, talking about this research. 
uh, on leptin resistance. He, he was the one who kind of made this really popular uh, on in the internet, at least. Uh, and basically what happens is because of a lot of sleep disruption and circadian rhythm disruption caused by artificial light at night, the brain actually isn't able to process the leptin signal, which is sent to our brain by fat cells. And so it ends up thinking, oh, we don't have enough energy. We need to keep eating. Even the brain could have, the body could have tons of fat, which is producing a lot of leptin, but the brain actually can't properly receive and interpret this leptin signal that's coming from the fat every night while we sleep, which is saying, yeah, you have enough fat. You don't need to eat more. It's not good for you, right? It's like that's the body has this intelligence. It's not the simple model of calories in, calories out has been completely disproven many, many, many times over because that assumes that all of our energy is from food, which has been proven to be wrong based on the science of light. In fact, we get energy directly from the sun. So if calories in, calories out were true, well, I take in a lot of calories from the sun um, that I don't necessarily burn off, but I can't gain weight from eating, from consuming sunlight, right? So it, there, there's a lot of nuance that calories in, calories out doesn't account for. It also doesn't necessarily account for the fact that, well, the, the philosophy misses things like, for example, if you're in a place where it's cold and you're, you're in a this, – is a, this is a bit of a different angle, but if you're in a place where it's cold, you're going to burn a lot of calories just from being outside in the cold, not necessarily from exercise. Um, so anyway, just to, to bring this one home, we – let's see. Um, I would say that the main way that sunlight can help influence weight loss is by regulating our hormones. But another mechanism I'll just touch on for 20 seconds here is that it actually optimizes the production of energy in our mitochondria. So when we optimize the production of energy in our mitochondria, we, we we're more efficient. So we don't need to consume as much food in order to have the energy we need. And so that's another way that getting sunlight can help optimize natural weight regulation. So it's a really important mechanism and factor. You know, I think it's important that people understand as we're coming up to the break, that people understand that they have to have safe sun. Now, the way I do it, and I, I'd like for you to comment on it, you know, I start with like 20 minutes and then one day, and then I'll go out maybe 30 minutes the next day in the sun and then maybe... 35 minutes the next day and stay 30 minutes for a while and then try to build up to 45 minutes to an hour. Now, somebody who studied thousands of hours about the sun, what do you think about that approach? I think that's a phenomenal approach, you know, Dr. Carey, and I would actually, I'm very conservative when it comes to this. So in, in previous years, maybe four or five years ago, when I was a bit more young and uh, really uh, gung-ho about the sun, I was maybe a little bit more uh, foolhardy. But now I've realized that at the at, you know based on the state of the research we should just take it really so i typically recommend even starting with one to two minutes for someone with pale skin and building up by just one to two minutes per day on each side of the body so say you start with two or three minutes on one side and then you add 30 to 60 seconds that's what we could do the sun has been shown to decrease your risk of heart disease and blood pressure and one of the reasons it increases nitric oxide and when we increase nitric oxide, we the causes the blood vessels to dilate. Of course, there's many reasons. And we talked to Dr. Phil Ovedia, who wrote Stay Off My Operating Table about heart disease. So I, I recommend that you go to that podcast. But the sun can contribute. And in fact, there was a study that showed that 30 to 50% of patients who suffer from cardiovascular disease 
we're, we're in environments with reduced sunlight. So with that being said, how can the sun help us decrease our risk of cardiovascular disease? And before you answer that, I just want people to know that Matt is more of a journalist. He's not a physician. You know, I'm an eye doctor, but th th this research is published research and it's research that we could report on. So Matt, yeah. take it away. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Kerry. I appreciate you pointing that out. It's, it's a very great point. I don't consider myself a physician or even a, a scientist as such, but just somebody who's curious as an entrepreneur as well, who has a duty to my my customers to provide them with, with quality products that actually work based on the science. And I'm really proud to say that we do that. We know that from the testimonials, the feedback we get, the testing I mentioned in our previous segment, or I should say our previous episode uh, regarding people who track their sleep scores and then use our products and actually see from advanced, accurate, wearable sleep tracking devices like the Aura, Wing, Aura Ring and the Whoop Sleep Band, that they actually see improvements in their sleep scores from wearing our products and, and from no other changes. Those are some of the most- Let, let, me, interrupt you, let me interrupt you for, because our audience may not know about the Whoop or the Aura Ring. Explain what those are. Yeah, so these are, uh, people have probably heard of even at least the Apple Watch. So these are these wearable technology devices, which basically track all sorts of things in your body from through your blood. They use light, they actually pulse light, and they see the movement of blood. They pulse light really fast, and they see how blood's moving. They can actually even measure certain things in the blood, like oxygen. And they're basically just giving you a picture of your health. Right. So they can measure your heart rate. If you're running and your heart rate goes really high, really fast, it might be a sign that you're out of shape and you need or that you have an issue that you need to be aware of. So they can measure your heart rate, but they can also measure your sleep stages. Now, the sleep tracking is less accurate than heart rate tracking, um, but it's it's evolving and it, it's still relatively accurate when they compare these uh, sleep, the sleep data that come from these sleep wearables with the the most advanced type of uh, sleep studies, which is called a sleep study, where you actually go into a chamber and basically sleep and they, they measure all this, this stuff going on in your body. It's, these, these wearable devices are actually not far off. So they're very accurate. They give you a picture of how you're sleeping well, when you're in a deep sleep state, uh, which is more regenerative for the body, when you're in a REM sleep state, which is more regenerative for the brain. Uh, there's all sorts, you know, you're consolidating memories and, and having dreams when you're in a REM sleep state, then when you're in light sleep. So these devices actually give you a picture. And we've seen that our customers who have these sleep tracking devices or people who have sleep tracking devices who become our customers actually see improvements in their sleep scores. And to me, that's phenomenal. It's, it's almost fantastic. You know, I know from our experience as a company that people who use our products, and I know because they worked for me so well, and for others in the niche community that I was following when I first learned about this science, people got such great benefits from these glasses, but they were also unattractive and not stylish and not a high quality. And I wanted to make something that I was confident and comfortable wearing in social settings and so on that was based on science, unlike most of the products that were out there and still are today. So we knew that they worked and I was going to keep doing this regardless of, of, to be honest, of what the science was saying, because if we know that it works and the science is showing something else, well, then the science could be wrong, um, depending on how it's organized. So, but anyway, we had this opportunity, as I mentioned in the last episode, to do a partnership with Aura, the maker of the Aura sleep tracking ring, which every single NBA player was wearing Aura rings to give people perspective just at the end of COVID because they were allowing them to measure changes in their body temperature before they would even feel something so they could see if they were potentially getting infected with a virus or something like that, right? So there is all sorts of benefits to this product. Now, 
That's how big this company is. They're a multi, multi-billion dollar company. So we had this great opportunity to partner with them because we make the highest quality blue light protection eyewear that's based on the science in, in the space, in the world, really. And so anyway, I was a little bit nervous because I was thinking, well, what if they're, what if the sleep rings don't show clear results that, that our products are working? I mean, again, people are still claiming benefits, but is it all a placebo? You know, is the science not as solid as, as we think? Or the science is very strong, but is there something wrong, right? And I'm willing to question assumptions. Anyway, we run the partnership and many, many thousands of people getting, getting our glasses. And then, um, Many of them don't even expect a result. They just accepted it because it was a free gift as part of a referral program for referring a friend to buy a ring. They got a free gift. Now we got we started getting a massive flood of reviews with people actually showing screenshots of their sleep scores. Wow, my sleep scores went up. My heart rate variability went up right away. My deep sleep went up immediately. So anyway, um, that's what the sleep tracking wearable devices are and and how we know that our products are actually influencing them. So now we can loop it back to the conversation we were having about uh, the sun and heart disease. Um, with the time we have, I think just to close that off, the one of the ways that we can optimize our health and wellness again is with sunlight, just getting out in the sun within reasonable doses, as we've discussed in the previous segments and in the previous episode. We don't want to overdo it. So sunlight, as you mentioned, Dr. Carey, naturally causes the release of nitric oxide, this chemical, which does cause our blood vessels to dilate. And it's interesting that actually one of the most likely the reason this occurs is based on the physics of water. So when we're exposed to sun, it actually causes our blood to flow more, more. And then the, the increased flow of blood actually causes the nitric oxide to be released, which then causes the vessels to dilate. So it's a direct effect from the light causing blood to flow more effectively that then causes the nitric oxide, physically stimulates the nitric oxide to be released dilating the blood vessels and expanding that process until they're sort of, let's say, maxed out. And that immediately reduces heart rate. They could measure it in five minutes. Somebody goes out and lays out in the sun, heart rate goes down typically. So also there's been some research to show that the sun improves, the, that your brain starts working better and you're, ha and you're happier. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, some of the main mechanisms that, that you know, I'm very familiar with around this are the increased production of hormones and neurotransmitters, for example, the feel-good neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, uh, these are even beta endorphins. So there's actually a study I was reading, which is interesting because it's basically they're saying, well, the sun is the sun is horrible because it's actually addictive like drugs. You know, they're and they're basically saying we know that the sun causes the brain to release beta endorphin, which is the equivalent to an opioid in our brain. And it's painkiller and so on. And it, it has these very pleasurable effects. Well, how in the world? I mean, these are intelligent people. I, I believe these are truly intelligent people, but they're missing something. Why in the world would our brain incentivize us super strongly, very strongly for something that's supposedly so toxic? It just doesn't make sense for a, for a, to a logical mind, a logical, rational analysis. We've been through billions of years of evolution. Our genes are very good. You know, the whole idea that people get sick because of their genes is, has been proven to be wrong on a number of levels. It actually has all everything to do with our epigenetics. So the way that different genes are expressed is the science of epigenetics. And that's what causes some people to get sick or not. And people say, oh, I have heart disease. It runs in the family. Well, it runs in everybody's family, it appears, because everybody's getting heart disease. That's not actually how it works. It runs in our environment. 
we all have similar human genes. And so these environmental factors affect us similarly, but it didn't just come out of nowhere. 500 years ago, people weren't dropping dead from Alzheimer's and heart disease. They might've dropped dead from tuberculosis, but not from their brain and their heart failing to work properly. Anyway, so. That makes us happy. It makes us very happy because we get in, we increase the natural production of these hormones and neurotransmitters, not hormones, I should say, but neurotransmitters. And that's essentially the core thing. Now, the other thing, Carrie, is that as we've talked about it on a number of levels today already is that it improves sunlight has been proven. Well, I should say the wavelengths contained in sunlight, red and near infrared. I'm not sure that any studies have been done overall on, um, on the sun and the exact mechanisms that it's causing people to be happier. There's definitely evidence that that the sun does make people happier. But the mechan- on the mechanistic side, it's been shown that red and infrared light optimize the function of our mitochondria. Well, if we just look at this logically, our brain and our heart, but our brain in particular has some of the most mitochondria of any, of any tissue in our entire body because it requires a lot of energy to function, right? It consumes a lot of oxygen. of the oxygen in the body is consumed just in the brain, this tiny part of our body. Now that means that our brain has a lot of mitochondria. They know that because they can look at it and see that there's a ton of mitochondria in the nerve cells in the brain. Now, if we get more natural sunlight, which contains this red and near infrared, it's going to optimize the function of those cells. So it makes sense that any process that's happening in the brain, because every process in biology requires what to function, it requires energy, right? And so if we require energy and we have more energy, everything's going to function better. So instead of getting a headache, you might just feel really good. And that's one of the effects of, of, again, just being out in the sun and getting natural light within reason. We don't want people to overdose and do too much. Yeah. And I think you make a good point because the sun causes the skin to the top layer of the skin to make beta endorphins. And that's a hormone that, that, that makes people feel happy to make them feel good. People want to go on vacation. Where do they want to go? They want to go to the beach. Everybody wants to go to the beach when they go on vacation. They want to go skiing. They want to be in the sun because the sun actually makes them feel better. And, uh, you know, and like you said, we get a lot of energy from the sun. The sun gives us energy. People enjoy the sun. People like being in the sun. You know, it's always, it always makes me think when I see little kids, they're all lathered up with suntan lotions the suntan lotion industry is a seven billion dollar industry and people are all lathered up with their they're putting all the suntan on their kids and that letting the kids get the sun through their eyes letting the kids get the sun through their skin and when we come back from the break i really want to break down the different parts of the sun why about the infrared the uv the blue why they're all important, the green, why each one of these is important and how it all helps us. But we're looking at it in a total as a total. This is Dr. Kelly Gelb for Open Your Eyes Radio. MacuHealth, your science-born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. This is Dr. Kerry Gell for Open Your Eyes Radio on AM 1280, The Patriot. We're back with Matt Maruka, who's put thousands of hours into studying about the sun. And if you want to follow Matt, you could go to his light diet on Twitter or X now, the light, his light diet on Instagram and his website, raoptics.com. And don't forget about my podcast, Open Your Eyes 
uh, podcast, which you can see every Monday morning on all the podcast channels and our Open Your Eyes documentary. Uh, the documentary gets incredible reviews and people learn a lot. We talk about the sun. We're in Costa Rica where people are sitting in the sun all day long and not getting skin cancer, but living over 100. Of course, we want you to have safe sun. And then the last segment, we talked a little bit about safe sun, the way I do it. I start with 20 minutes, and Matt said, well, you can start with one minute or two minutes. You're very, very fair. You just have to be careful. You don't want to go out and get burnt. You don't want to hurt yourself. You know, Matt's not a physician. He's a journalist, and but he studied this, and he has a lot of great in, information. So I want to start about... I want to talk about the different wavelengths of the sun, which I'm very fascinated about. You know, when we look at digital devices, and we talked about last week about we're looking at unopposed blue light. And one of the problems, even though it has less energy than the sun, it's unopposed. It's not being bounced by the infrareds and the UVs and the greens and, and the, the Roy G. Biv of the sun. It's not being balanced. Now, sun has to be balanced, and that's what makes sun so effective. But as a, as a doctor, we like things broken down. So I'm going to ask Matt to break down the different wavelengths of the suns and give me the pros and cons of each. So let's start off with ultraviolet light. Tell me why ultraviolet light is important. What time of the day does ultraviolet light come out? So if you're going to get morning sun, we know that morning sun, which we didn't even talk about. If you could talk about the importance of why you have to see the sunrise, maybe see the sunset, the importance of that, because that's so important. And when does the ultraviolet light come out? Yeah, absolutely. So um, first of all, the importance of morning sunlight is that it basically, as far as we know, controls our body's rhythm, the circadian rhythm, which has been researched and studied more and more and has proven to be critical for controlling such a broad variety of our functions in our biology. So essentially, people would want to get morning sunlight exposure from around the time the sun comes up, and then afternoon sunlight exposure, for example, around the time of sunset. Uh, and this, again, helps to regulate the body's natural circadian rhythm so the brain and body can know what time of day it is and exactly how everything is uh, operating, essentially, in the external environment so we can keep our internal processes synced up in time and get tired when we're meant to get tired and wake up when we're meant to wake up and so on. Now, as far as ultraviolet light goes, ultraviolet light is more of the powerful and potentially damaging wavelengths of sunlight, but also again, being powerful has been utilized by biology, biological organisms and systems for all sorts of different functions, uh, including again, the production of vitamin D. So ultraviolet, some of the main, you know, we won't be able to talk about every single thing the sun does, but just hitting some of the core highlights. So ultraviolet light has, it comes out in the morning in different, uh, it's in stages. So ultraviolet A light will come out. It just dep it actually depends on the angle of the sun. But um, typically when the sun starts to feel hot, you can be sure that ultraviolet A is actually coming out at that point. Um, and then ultraviolet B, the sun has to be at a much higher angle for ultraviolet B to be present coming through the atmosphere because the atmosphere filters it out. So the higher the sun is in the sky, the less filtration is happening. So for example, you can go on an app called D-Minder, D-Minder, just the letter D and then Minder on your iPhone or your Android device and actually download this app, put in your immediate geographical location, and it'll tell you when vitamin D is uh, available meaning when ultraviolet light 
comes into the environment from the sun. So when you can actually make vitamin D. And it does this based on your location on the earth and the time of day. And so, for example, some places there's no vitamin D production uh, for several months through the winter because the sun doesn't get strong enough. So typically in most Northern European and American uh, areas, there are, again, many months where you can't make vitamin D from the sun because ultraviolet B does not come out during those months. So we actually make vitamin D and we can store it through the winter in our in our fat, for example. So anyway, um, ultraviolet light has all sorts of different roles. Again, it, it's been shown that ultraviolet A light can influence the production of different uh, neurotransmitters, I should say, in our brain. Uh, it's been shown that ultraviolet A light also stimulates this release of nitric oxide from our blood vessels, which basically reduces our uh, blood pressure, increases blood flow, and so on. And ultraviolet B has been shown to actually produce vitamin D, which is one of the most important biomolecules, hormones for proper immune health, for bone health, for cognitive function. It's a very, even though it's called a vitamin, it's actually a hormone. It has a very broad variety of roles. So ultraviolet light controls uh, some functions like these and, and several more as well. Uh, now, we should get into... Uh, I would say the other side of the spectrum would make sense to get into next. So red and near infrared light. So when we go get into infrared light, 42% uh, of the sun is infrared. And in the morning, most of the sunlight is infrared. If you could talk about infrared, the pros and the cons of infrared. And if yeah, there absolutely. are any cons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, infrared would be because it's the slowest uh, frequency, the longest wavelength of sunlight, it has the least power of the light from the sun that reaches us on Earth, um, because we only get a really small window of sunlight that actually reaches us on Earth, uh, because most of it's filtered out by the atmosphere. So life, our biology plays with this narrow window of sunlight, this narrow band that comes in through our atmosphere. So anyway, near infrared is hard to overdose on because of its, its lower power, but you still can overdose. So we recommend people be very careful um, with the, for example, red light therapy panels, like what we're developing, I mentioned earlier, but people can't, people can't overdose on, I, I should say, people should be careful that they don't overdose on these because they can, we don't, pardon me, we don't want that to happen. So anyway, um, it, from the sun, it would be very difficult to overdose on near infrared because you would definitely overdose on ultraviolet or even blue light before the near infrared would be a problem. Typ typically, not 100%, but, uh, you know, generally speaking. So um, near-infrared light has been shown to activate water metabolism in our cells. So it has all sorts of different functions in, in that way. But essentially, there's research from a gentleman in Washington, a, a doctor, I believe at the University of Washington in Seattle, named Dr. Gerald Pollock. And he has, uh, and this is, I he's a PhD, I believe, not a clinician. But anyway, he has basically studied water in great detail and found that, first of all, water is very understudied, contrary to what we would think, being such an important foundational part of life, water is relatively, relatively understudied. And so Dr. Pollock noticed in the literature on water, all of these anomalies that aren't explained by the current theories. So he started to study water to try to understand it better, and found that water actually, in living organisms, and also in nature has some very unique properties. Uh, in particular, when it's 
against a hydrophilic surface. So any kind of material that is water loving, and that's what all of our cell membranes are, are uh, made out of our water loving materials, hydrophilic surfaces, uh, and then exposed to infrared light, the water actually becomes highly structured and highly organized. It's not like water in a glass anymore. And so it actually started to dawn on him and his team. It started to make sense. Well, maybe this has something to do with how life works. Maybe water in our cells isn't just like water in a glass. Maybe it's in a highly structured state. And near-infrared light is actually the power source responsible for structuring this water. And basically, um, it, it is a way that water can actually store energy like a battery in our cells is what they found. And so near-infrared light actually charges our cells, literally gives them power that, that can be utilized for all sorts of different reactions that's stored in this so-called structured water in our cells. Now, uh, from infrared, we would want to talk then about red light. Red light has been shown, and there's lots of red light as well coming out of the sun and reaching us on Earth. Red light has been shown to optimize the energy production in our mitochondria. So red light is one of the main components of these red light therapy panels that are coming out. There's red and near infrared, both of these different ranges of wavelengths in, in these very popular uh, light therapy devices that have come out for both hair growth, skin health, face health, acne prevention, recovery, energy. All of these things have been now marketed uh, towards from the angle of red light and red light therapy. And a large reason this is so effective in, in with, again, now thousands of clinical studies uh, clinical studies and studies on the mechanisms have shown that red light is so effective. And why is this? Well, it's because red light has been found to optimize the energy production in our mitochondria. So every human cell has approximately 500 to 1,000 mitochondria, which are these, these little engines that provide, that produce energy. Because everything in life, everything in our cells requires energy. And so in order for us to, to be alive, we need energy. And if we, for example, we're dead, that means there's no energy in our cells. And if we ran out of energy, we would be dead. That's really the difference between being alive and being dead is the energy that's in our cells, right? And so by helping to enhance the engines that are making energy in our cells or helping convert that energy from food to useful chemical energy, we are going to have more energy to carry everything out. And it's just pure basic logic that if we have more energy to carry everything out, we don't, we don't necessarily want an excess of energy per se. That might be its own problem, but that's not the issue most people deal with. By having this energy, we can function better, carry out everything better in our cells, and therefore experience overall more radiant health. So these are just, this is a high level overview of some of the different wavelengths of sunlight we've just given and how these can affect the body in different ways. All right, so now we're up to blue light. Let's talk about the pros and the cons of blue light. And I want you to please bring up how we could block blue light on our digital devices. And then I want to go into your the light diet. Yeah, of course, absolutely. So blue oh, light is another sure. component. Yeah, so blue light's another component of sunlight, which has effects on our body, just like all the different wavelengths do, right? And I'm fascinated because I'm constantly studying the new wavelengths. I haven't even dove much into the effects of orange, the effects of green, yellow, I've just a little bit, but um, there's so much just with blue, violet, ultraviolet, and red and infrared. Um, you know, it's it's like a, a lifetime, essentially, to unpack it and then make it actually practically useful for people. Because I, I love knowing this information, but I actually want to make it applicable for people. So as I mentioned, we're working on all sorts of really cool products and devices to help make the science of light applicable and useful for people for their health. Now, 
blue light basically sets one of the main roles blue light plays is that it sets our body's circadian rhythm, meaning that it actually controls the timekeeping system of our body, our body's clock, we could call it the body clock. And that's essentially what blue light does is it sets this rhythm and keeps it in check. And that's why, as we mentioned earlier, it's important to get out and watch the sunrise in the morning or get morning sunlight exposure for 10 or 15 minutes. And this isn't anything woo-woo. If you wanted to listen to Dr. Andrew Huberman, who's one of the leading uh, neuroscientists in the country out of Stanford, who's gotten very popular on social media with his podcast, Huberman Lab, this is one of the subjects he talks about more than any other is morning sunlight exposure and evening sun sunlight exposure to help set our circadian rhythm and optimize dopamine and all sorts of other systems in our brain, right? So that's essentially a, a very high level overview of, of blue light and what it's what it's doing for our body. Now, if we have too much blue light, as we discussed in the first segment, if we have too much blue light, uh, either isolated from the sun, so uh, not paired with the full spectrum of sunlight, or if we have blue light at night, for example, in any amount, it can actually just, it can cause issues in our biology, right? During the day, more damage to our retina, uh, potentially, as well as at night, disruption of the secretion of melatonin, which is, again, another issue for our, for our body and for our brain. So we want to mitigate the effects of blue light by reducing it, um, especially, again, during the day when we're indoors and we don't have natural light coming off of coming from the sun or even like a red light therapy panel. And at night, we want to mitigate the risks of blue light when, for example, we're exposed to it and it's dark out and we want to get ready to go to sleep. And that would be pretty much all the time when people turn on lights at night. So some of the things people can do to, to filter blue light would be using blue light protection eyewear. It's a very direct and practical solution because then you don't have to worry about changing your neighbor's lights or changing the lights at the restaurant down the street, which wouldn't make any sense and wouldn't even be possible. You just wear the glasses and protect your own eyes. Uh, and that's that's a really great strategy. For screen devices, you can download softwares on a computer like Iris. It's my personal preferred favorite. There's one called Flux, F.Lux as well. Um, but I prefer the Iris software. Are these free? Are these free or you have to uh, F.Lux is free, uh, I believe, forever. And then Iris is something like, $3 a month, or if you pay $15, it's free forever. And if it's if you pay 40 or 50 bucks, which I did, it's free forever plus every update they ever make. So I would just invest in Iris because it has the most customizability, but even is just that, somebody wants to do. Is that iPhones only or is it Samsung? Uh, Iris actually would be for computers and they have an Iris mobile app for Androids. Um, so for, yeah, non-iPhones. So these would be for computers, Flux and Iris. Now for phones... For Androids, they have Iris Mini, I believe it's called. So you could actually download Iris Mini for Android phones. And for iPhones, there's a really cool setting in the iPhone called um, Color Filters. Now, I would just basically, you just Google search uh, iPhone red screen blue light filtration. And actually, there's dozens of articles showing people how to actually set a shortcut on their phone where they can actually re remove the blue light. In fact, I probably need to make a video about this showing exactly the way I do it. But I'm sure that the articles that are out there are are on point as well. I've seen many of them. Um, so basically, I, iPhone blue light filtration hack. And that essentially will allow people to block the blue light from their phone in the evenings with a simple shortcut that removes the, now the phone's going to look red. It's going to look a little weird, but again, what you're doing is you're one, you're making the phone less addictive because the blue light component part is part of what, you know, stimulates so much dopamine. And then your kids get addicted and you get addicted to your phone. 
it's just a, it's just a flashing light box at the end of the day. That's all it is. A communicator that communicates through flashing light into our brain. And so people are addicted to this flashing light and we need to just, that, that stimulates dopamine. We need to just reduce it. And if you reduce the blue light, it's a lot less addictive right off the bat. It's pretty phenomenal. So anyway, that's one of the, the sort of like low key unexpected hacks of reducing blue light is you might find yourself less addicted to your phone. My one of our listeners, and he happens to be a customer of yours. He has your glasses, R.A.I. He wants to know what you could do at night to mitigate the blue light other than uh, the filtering lenses and what we put on the digital devices. What else? Yeah, the main thing you can do is just be in the dark. That's what I do. So at night, I actually have a headlight, a little uh, camping light, essentially, that I wear around my house. And it's just turned red light? Yeah, I turn it on the red light function, and that's all I use at night. I literally live in the dark. Once the sun goes down, I have a couple things. Like I have a a near-infrared sauna lamp, like a heat lamp called Sauna Space that I love that I'll turn on, and it'll basically light up the room with red light. The issue is it's very hot. So if it's hot out, I don't want to turn it on because it heats up the air even more um, because it's putting off so much near-infrared. So what we're working on are, as I've mentioned, red light therapy panels, which will be very, very practical for therapeutic usage for all the benefits we've discussed in prior segments about red light, improving energy, skin health, pre- preventing acne, improving hair growth, and all these different things. Um, but also our red light panels that we're developing could also be used just for general lighting in the evening. So blue-free general lighting to illuminate a room. Now, so darkness is one strategy using only red light sources or or warm orange, yellow, just very warm blue free sources of light at night. And again, we're as a company, we acknowledge that there's a need for high quality blue free lighting products. And therefore, we're actually working on developing uh, blue, low blue light or blue free lighting products. So in the last four minutes that we have less left, I want to go through your light diet. So let's start off with number one, sleep with the sun. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what I would do just actually make it even easier to cover in, in just a couple of minutes is I have a bit of a revised version I've been toying with. I haven't published it out yet, but there's five core steps of the light diet. And, and it's just kind of a final summary. We've already talked about all of it, actually. But so the first step would be uh, now is cultivating our inner light. So one of the biggest shifts I've had in the last couple of years is I've learned that even if you have your entire external environment all dialed in, and you are taking great care of your health in that way, but you have a lot of stress, emotional stress, psychological stress, trauma. You know, it's been proven that our cells actually communicate with life, with light, and that we are actually effectively beings of light, but electromagnetic beings from a scientific perspective, but the same, it means the same thing. Electromagnetism is light. So we're actually these beings of light and not in a spiritual woo sense, but it actually in a scientific, very, very well-founded scientific sense, we are beings of light. Now, what that means is that there's, you know, there's evidence when we're in a stress state, our cells actually are less efficient with how they can capture and hold and utilize light. They leak more light, right? So it made sense to me having studied all this information about light and then reading a bit more about some different psychological principles and even spiritual principles and practices like yoga and meditation. I started to understand, well, gee, it makes sense. If somebody sits in stillness and quiet and focuses their brain on peace and calmness and they're at peace and they're not putting all their energy out because when you put your energy out into different things. You're actually giving your energy away, whether you're getting stressed and angry at somebody or you're scrolling in social media. They know in the social media business and the ad business that the number one most valuable commodity is people's attention, right? So if you can 
capture people's attention, it's worth money. It's actually what people will pay lots of money for people's attention. And what is that? That's the life force energy that you're basically giving out when you give your attention to something, right? So anyway, if somebody meditates and they focus their attention inward, you can actually restore your own energy. You can actually heal your own energy in a, in a sense, right? You can actually take care of your energy, keep your body in balance, get out of those hormones of stress, which we know increase disease. That's been very well studied. There's very little dispute that stress is probably one of the greatest killers. I've come to believe that that emotional chronic stress, chronic emotional psychological stress is probably worse for health than any artificial light or anything. And it's one of the biggest things. So the first step of the light diet, cultivating our inner light actually means to take the time for ourselves that we need, whether it's through meditation, yoga, journaling, Tai Chi, Qigong, reading books, spending time with family, whatever it is for somebody, I prefer meditation. I think it's really effective, but to actually take time to go inside, evaluate ourselves, and really connect to ourselves. Go, go quickly through the next four. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we'll just run through the last couple. So that's that's the core one. Two is set your body's circadian rhythm using the sunlight. We've talked about that thoroughly. Morning sunlight, afternoon sunlight, or evening sunlight to set your body's rhythm. Step number three is to take advantage of the charging power of the sun. So the ultraviolet, which we get later in the day through sunbathing and being really intelligent and building up your exposure slowly, which we've already spoken about. We don't want to overdo that. Okay, number Four is to mitigate the harmful effects of artificial light, which we just spoke about before, and people understand why that's important. And five, lastly, is to eat with the sun. So don't eat your biggest meal late at night at dinner. Eat your biggest meal in the middle of the day when your metabolism is the strongest. I want to thank Matt Maruka for joining me today. Matt, if people want to find out more about you, you're a wealth of information. How could they do that? They can go to raw optics. That's raoptics.com. Check out our website and our products, and they can find me on Instagram at the light diet. This is Dr. Kerry Gell for Open Your Eyes Radio on AM 1280, The Patriot. Until next week, thank you for joining me. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit oiebroadcasting.com and sign up today.